series called 10,000 Reasons, 10,000 Reasons to be Thankful. And uh, this morning, we are going to continue on, but I need some help from you this morning. I need word descriptions of the church. I need Mark. Get set, go. Love. Love. Family. Generous. Generous. Community. Community. Arrogant. Well, look at that. We just talked about the backyard project. Serving. Security. Jacob McKibben, this is up your alley, buddy. Just joking. I think it's a different kind of security. Okay. What else? Universal. Universal. Tiltons, I'm, I'm disappointed you didn't say that if you just went to Universal. But anyway, go ahead. What else we got? Compassion. What Compassion. Grace. Grace. Accountability. Accountability. Support. Support and healing. Yeah. What was it? Sinners, flawed. What somebody else said something? Jesus. It might be his church. Correct? Yeah, it might be his church. That's good. What else? Hopefully. Anybody else? Heaven? Forgiveness? Guys, we're about to sing it right after the sermon. Ready? We're about to sing this. You guys are what? Children. You're also the bride. It's the church. And we are sinners. We're flawed, and yet we center around Jesus. And so this morning, here's what I want to do, guys, with us this morning. I just want to talk about the church for a little bit. I grew up in the church. I was raised in the church. I've told you guys, I think I was born in the choir loft. I was up there. I was the rug rat who was making messes in the church. On a Wednesday night, as mom sang her heart out, I was the one creating messes, and yet I have a deep affection for the church. It's what I've known. And so what I want to do with you guys this morning, guys just led me to Philippians chapter 1. It's been going on for the last few weeks, and then... Our young men's group, um, we decided just, I felt the Lord telling me last week that we're going to do a mass text every day, and we're taking two to five verses every day, and we're just asking, what is God saying to you, and what do you need to do about it? And it's been incredible for four days. And so this, this, this is where we're at, and this is where I just want to reside this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go Philippians chapter 1. Let's just get there and let's eat this up. It's good stuff. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul, he's a prisoner, he's in jail, life is miserable. He's in a dark hole. His friends are nowhere near him. He writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. 
Who's he speaking of? The church in Philippi. Paul's in prison, guys. If you're in jail, who are you thinking about? Yourself. How do I get out of here? What do I have to do to get out of here? And Paul says, I thank God every time I remember you. And all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with what? Joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you is going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains, in jail, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And guys, this is my prayer to you. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Let's pray as we dive in this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Now we ask that you would speak, open our hearts, open our minds to you, Jesus, this morning, and help us to be filled with joy for you and your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me give you four things this morning that I really want to cover about the church and being thankful for the church this morning, and we'll roll with it. If you've got your notes, you can fill these in. I'm thankful, like Paul's thankful, for a church that prays for one another. Thankful for a church that prays for one another. Look at verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I pray with joy. I love when the church prays together. I love when the church prays for one another. I love when the church prays over one another. I'm with Paul, it excites my heart. There's joy in praying for one another. A couple months ago at Life Group, I laid witness to it. Kathy started bringing you up, but Kathy was having a rough go. Some of you know, she lost her boy when he was yay high. Three, three years old, I think it was, when she lost her son. And that day, some memories had come back. You know what I loved about our life group? We stopped and prayed over her. Honestly, it was one of the most beautiful times I've ever spent with Jesus. And part of it was Dean. I don't know if you remember, I remember his prayer. There was no elegance to it. There was no big <laughs> theological words to it. But for me that day, Dean attacked the throne of God on behalf of Kathy. 
And I remember Dean being so honest with God that, Lord, we hate this, and yet we look to you. And for a brief moment, guys, for me, I got a picture of what the church should be. For a brief moment, I was reminded of why the church meets together. To pray for one another. To encourage each other. To walk with each other. And that night, I was so thankful when I walked out the door that we have a church that desires to pray over each other. And yet I know this. There's more to come. Guys, I think we're just scratching the surface. I really do. I think we're just scratching it. I don't even think we're quite... I think there's even more to come. That we'd be thankful that we get to pray over one another. And Paul starts off as he prays, and he says, every time I remember you. And here's what he does. And this is what Paul's doing. Paul has multiple churches that he cares for, that he's overseen. And here's what Paul is trying to say. And scholars will tell you what he meant by this verse is this. He has time schedules of when he prays over certain churches. And at this time, he's remembering the church in Philippi. And he carves out time and he begins to pray for, anybody notice the word there? I pray for all of you. Not just the ones I like. Not just the ones I agree with and get along with. If you look at Philippians 4 verse 2, there's actually two ladies that are at war with each other and he, he rebukes them for their division amongst each other. And even those two ladies, Paul's saying, I'm praying over you guys. So I've challenged the elders a couple months ago, and I'm challenging myself to start praying over you all. I told the elders, I think we need to start with the ministry teams in our life groups. That's where we need to start. And I just talked to my pastor coach this past week. We were talking about what success and failure looks like. And one of the things I told him success-wise for me in ministry is to pray over the top of all of you. I think that's what shepherds do. We pray for our sheep. And yet that doesn't discount the rest of us, guys, that we pray over each other. We pray for each other. When we're not even in the room together, we're praying for, and we're, we, are, we are invading God's throne for each other. That's what we do. I've been thinking about the church and just what we display to the world, and one of the things I think we miss out on is the world needs to see a people who care about each other and pray hard for each other and pray over people. And we watch God do what he's going to do amongst that. So I'm going to challenge you and ask you right now, what about your prayers for each other? Who are you praying for right now? Seriously, let's, let's go deep together this morning, guys. Let's, let's, let's wrestle here. Who are you praying for right now? Can, I, can we just pause for a moment? And even right now, as you're listening, or you're trying to stay awake, whatever it may be, would you just start praying for someone across the aisle from you? 
Like, would you contend for that person across the aisle from you? Would you seriously, would you contend in prayer and ask God to open their eyes and open their ears? Maybe it's a health concern. Maybe you need to pray for them even right now. That Even as we speak, guys, there is a time we pray all the time. Pray without ceasing, right? I'm thankful for a church that prays together. But guys, I think we're just scratching the surface. I think there's more to come. The second thing he says is this. He's thankful for a church that's focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says he prays with joy because what? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul says that he's praying for them with joy. You know where the joy comes from? The joy comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like as when you really get the gospel, something in your spirit livens up. When we sing death was arrested and now he's given me new life, something in our spirit should rise up and say, golly, I don't deserve that. But you've done it. It's mercy. It's grace. When we hear the gospel preached, something inside of us should well up. Paul says he has joy. What gives him joy? The gospel. The gospel gives him joy. I'm so thankful for True Life Christian Church that we focus on the gospel. Over the last few years, I know God has shifted me from how-to sermons to let's get to the gospel. And some of you are like, I like the how-to. And I'm saying the how-to, here's the problem. It's all you, though. That's the problem. The gospel shifts. It says it's all Jesus. That's good news. Anybody else burn out right now? You're tired. Last night I had to sit down with the Lord. I said, I'm tired. And the Lord says, you're leaning too much on your own strength, Chris. You're missing the gospel. The gospel is you can't do this, Chris. That's the point. The point is you can't do this. It's me. And so one of the things I told you, success and failure, is I told, pray for you guys. And the second one I told Bob was this that I will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ every week. It will come out of my mouth every week. That's what we're going to do. But I'm also thankful for our teachers who teach the gospel. I'm thankful for Josiah, that I know the gospel is spoken to your kids. I know it is. I'm thankful for that. In fact, here a few weeks ago, we were talking just about someone's behavior in the church, and, and we were discussing how do you change behavior, and I was on the behavior modification plan. Here's some things we could do to help the individual so they behave better. And I'm so thankful for my brother, Josiah, just says, guys, that person needs the gospel. They don't need mod modification in their behavior. I was like, holy smokes. He's right. We don't need behavior modification. We don't need nice little kids running around. We need hearts that are changed so they come alive in Jesus. That's what we need. That's what the church is lacking. We've got a bunch of people who are morally plain nice, but they have no power inside of them because the gospel's never affected them. That's a problem. And I grew up in a church that was morally Man, everybody seemed like they were morally behaving, yet I very rarely saw the power of God in that church. I'm like, Something, something's missing. 
And that's one of my fears, guys, that I know we're in America and the moral behavior people has declined. I get it. But our hope is somehow that the government's going to change it. They're not. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope we have. It's it. I don't need more Mr. Trump. I need more Jesus. That's what I need. It's what we all need. And so I'm thankful for a brother who prays that God, would you grab that person's heart and would you change it from the inside out? Paul's also, if you notice, thankful not only for the gospel, but for the partnership in taking the gospel to the world. Guys, we don't sit on the gospel. The gospel is to go forward. Lisa, thank you so much for leading this backyard project. Guys, I'm excited about these times where we get to take the gospel message to the community. Anybody else excited about taking the gospel to people? Seriously, what, what gets us cranked up that we might be the hands and feet of Jesus and we might go share the gospel with people? And Paul is excited. He's with joy. He's praying for them because these people are partnering with him for the sake of the gospel. Because I'm thankful for you guys that want to see people who are far from God come close to God. But I'm also praying for us that we'd be a church that not only speaks the gospel, but also lives the gospel. Guys, can I just share one of my greatest fears has always been this, is that this church will become isolated. It's one of my greatest fears. Like, I don't want us to become isolated. We're going to a new building. I'm excited about that. And yet, at the same point, I'm terrified because I'm like, I do not want to get comfortable in a building. I don't. That building is a tool to take the gospel to the world. Guys, would you partner with us and for the sake of the gospel? Can we partner together? Can we say that people's lives matter that much that we would take the gospel to the ends of the earth? I like William Tyndale's quote here. The church is the one institution that exists for those outside of it. Let that settle for you for a second. The church is not for you. Thinking that this is all about you. And how am I going to get fed this week? The church is here for what? For those outside the church. That they might come into the kingdom of God. And they might experience new life like you and I have experienced new life. And yet, I think some of us, we've just isolated ourselves. I've told you guys, it scares the bejeebies out of me how many of us don't hang around with non-Christians. Like ever. That scares the pejeebies out of me. We should know non-Christians and we should love them well. But I don't want to stop in that verse, but I want to keep going because verse 6 challenged me this week. And by see verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I am so thankful for a God who does not give up on us when we jack things up. 
Anybody feel me on that one? Anybody else jacked some things up this week? Boy, I had, I had a hard sit down with Jesus last night. We had some real business to do last night. I've been holding anger and other bitterness and things like that in my heart, and the Lord just had to deal with me on it. And I'm like, Lord, I have been a jerk to people this week. I was a jerk to my kids yesterday. I was a jerk to my wife last night. And then I come to verse 6, and he's like, I haven't given up on you. I began a good work in you, Chris. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complete it, bud. We're going to keep moving. But I've had numerous people over the last few years and even this past week. This is like, it's like terrified me this week. I had a friend who calls me up and says, I don't know if I'm in right standing with God and I keep thinking I got to do more. And they've been a Christian for the last 15 years of their lives. And it broke my heart. And I know some of you feel that way. I have been on deathbeds with Christians who go, I hope I make it to heaven. I hope I did enough. I'm like, well, here's the news. You didn't. You haven't. But the good news is Jesus has already done it for you. That's great news. So quit trying. Aaron and I had that the other day. I said, I remember I told a lady one day back when I was a youth pastor, and she's like, I'm trying so hard to be a good Christian. I go, quit trying and start dying. The Bible says we die to ourselves. So guys, I'm just worried because if you think your salvation fluctuates week to week on how good a behavior you had, that's a false gospel. You've not believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says here, that the God who began, God began the good work in you. We'll see it to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. And so guys, because of that gospel, that excites me. That even on the days I jack things up, my God has not given up on me. He is still pursuing me. He still loves me. He still cares for me. He is still looking out for me. And he's going to carry that on to the day of completion of Jesus Christ. And with that joy, I go out. I want to partner with you guys. I want to partner with people who jack things up for the gospel. Because Jesus is big enough to overcome my stupidity at times. The third thing that I'm thankful for is this, thankful for a church developing relationships with one another. All right, seriously, let's, let's just do, do some heart stuff. Can we do some heart stuff? How much do you think Jesus loves you right now? I've had friends, yeah, more than I deserve. I've had friends, though, here recently that I know they've been through tragedy and through hard circumstances, and one just honestly, and I love that they just honestly said, I'm not sure how much God loves me right now because of what's happening in my life. And I was like, thank you for the honest response, first of all. But second of all, I want to lead you somewhere. Can we just all close our eyes? We're just going to pause for a moment. This is church. We're just going to pause for a moment. We're going to close our eyes. Here's what I want you to envision right now. 
I want you to envision Jesus hanging on a cross for you. Can you see him? Can you see Jesus? Can you see him saying, child, I love you. And nothing you do can change that. Can you see him? So what I want us to do is I want us to begin to just see him, but also to sing to him and sing about him. So we're going to sing this little tune together. It's Travis and Josiah lead us, but let's sing this together. As again, can you see him? Can you see him? He loves you. All right, so let's do this. Let's go to verse 8. Ready? Let's go to verse 8 together. This is why I want us to do this. Verse 8 says this. God can testify now how I long for all of you with what? The affection of Jesus. Because I'm thankful for a church that wants to build relationships, that is building relationships. Yet here's the deal. We are to do it first with the affections of Jesus. That this is the gospel message that I abide in Christ, that my heart is stirred by affections of Jesus for me, and then I do what? I release it to all of you. Somewhere we've gotten this backward. I'm trying to love people I don't really want to love with a love that I don't have because I've not first sat at the feet of Jesus. I think it's sort of what Jesus was telling Mary and Martha, Right? Mary's doing the most important thing, which is sitting at my feet first and just enjoying me and receiving my love so that she might take that and do what? Go love others. Because I'm thankful for a church that's building relationships and some of them are at their infancy stages. Some are a little bit more advanced. But here's my deal is I want to be thankful because I want the affections of Jesus to fill me and to fill you so that we might love each other well. Some of you can't forgive someone in your life because you've not first received the forgiveness and the love of Jesus. We tell you to go forgive, and so you're just like, I gotta go forgive, and so you go forgive, but you go in your own power, and you've not gone in the love of Jesus, and you're like, I can't forgive. I'm like, duh. You haven't received the forgiveness of Jesus on your own life to see how far he went to get you. you. You just don't get it yet. Some of you all in this room feel like you have to perform to get God's love. Because that's what you were taught as an infant. That's what you're taught as a child. Your parents taught you that. The only time they ever loved you is when you performed well enough for them. And yet God, your father, is asking you this morning, would you just receive the father's love? You don't have to perform for him any longer. You don't. There is no act for you to do. It's just simply receive the love of God. 
And as I read this, I'll be honest with you, last night I was just sitting down and my heart broke for some of you. And here's why my heart broke for you. You have no deep relationships with people in the church. And that breaks my heart. You've isolated yourself by simply coming to a worship service. That's all you do. Just come to a worship service. And then you say, I've gone to church. That is not church, folks. That's not. Read the New Testament. Read the book of Acts. Tell me if that's the church. It's not the church. They did life together. And at first I was angry, and then my heart went to sadness. Like, I'm sad for, seriously, some of you in this room, I'm sad for you because you have no deep relationships with people in the church, and it breaks my heart. Guys, can you feel the depth of relationship that Paul has with these people? What does he say? I have you in my heart. It's at the core of Paul. It's at the depths of Paul that he has relationship with them. But do you see the commonality that links the relationships together in verse 7? What is it? Grace. You know what ties me and you together? Come on, church. What ties you and I together? Grace, because we're all in need of it in this room. Every one of us in this room is in need of grace. And Paul says it links us together. It's our commonality that we have grace amongst each other. So we operate out of the notion of grace. Lastly, I'll just end with this point here in verses 9 through 11. I'm thankful for a church that cares about the inner being, the inmost part of you. I was convicted just to hear recently about my prayer life. And here's what I typically pray for some of you. Ready? God, would you keep so-and-so safe? God, would you help so-and-so to feel a little bit better today? God, would you give so-and-so a good day today? That's the depth of my prayer for some of you. I'm like, that's, that's what I'm praying, honestly. And God's just like, that's all you want? Chris, you just want them to have a good day? What is a good day, first of all? That's all you want for your people. Help them to feel better. And I look at Paul's prayer here, and I was just like, what? Let's read it. Verse 9. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. I'm like, holy smokers. Paul's praying for his partners of the gospel, and he's just not going, help them to have a good day today, Lord. He's going, Lord, would you do something at the inner core of them? Would you do something in the inmost being of them? Would you change them? Would you rearrange them? Would you show them your love? Would you show them the depth of insight that you have for their life? Would you show them that they are abounding more and more in Christ? So I'm, just, I'm like, All right, I need to change my prayers for you guys. Would you train wreck people, God, with your love? Would you take their circumstances and would you help them to see that you are bigger and greater than the circumstances they are having? 
Would you help them at the gut level know that you are God and you are good and you are great? Would you help them at the gut level? I love what the NLT says. That the, he says this, that you would discern what is really important in life. Teenagers, I'm praying that for you guys. I'm seriously, teenagers, I'm praying that for you guys. That you may be discern what is really, really important in life. It's not Taco Bell. That you would live pure and blameless lives. That sin would not overtake you. That you would follow Jesus more and more every day of your life. Guys, can I just say I'm thankful for people in this church who care about my life. I am thankful for people who call me out on my own sin. I'm thankful for Josiah. I'm thankful for Josh Fight. I'm thankful for Jason Conley. I'm thankful for so many of you in this room, for the Susan Bells who just call me out on the rug when I need to be called out on the rug. Who don't tiptoe around me, just come out and say it. And you know what I know when they say it? They care about me. They love me. For the Ellen Olsons who just shoot straight with me. Thank you. I told my buddies the other day, thank you for shooting straight with me. I need to hear that. I didn't like to hear it, but I need to hear it. But I'm also thankful for the encouragers like Jim Doolin. God bless you. I don't know how you're in a good mood every day like you are. <laughs> but you're an encourager. And I'm thankful for people who don't want Chris just to be a nice guy anymore. Who are actually saying, Chris, I'm praying that you will storm the gates of hell. Because that's what the church is called to do, right? Not just be nice people. Doing our own little thing in our own little world. But that we would attack. How about you? Do you get angry when someone calls you out on sin? Do you get angry when people actually try to help direct your life? Paul is praying deeply for this church. He is going deep with them. And here's the thing. He wants the innermost being to be changed. And that's our prayer for you. And I hope that you'll realize that in order for that to happen, you're going to need people around you who are going to love you, encourage you, and also give you the hard word. And I hope this church grows more into that. Can I just be honest with you? I just wrote this in my notes this week. I'm just going to shoot straight. I'm tired of a church that just plays nice. Here's what I mean by that. That we just tiptoe around each other and we don't get into each other's lives. I'm tired of it. I want to partner with people for the gospel, but I also want to partner with people for the inmost being of me and you. Scott Schneider, our counselor, and I have been talking about this lately. What would it look like for this church to become a church that walks into each other's messes? But I don't want, I've got my own mess. Yes, you do. And yet we're called to walk into each other's messes. This is Christianity. Jesus walked into 12 guys' lives that were full of what? Messes. 
So it's going to mean for some of you, you're going to have to open up your lives to other people, and it's going to get scary. But I'm watching it, guys, right now, and I'm so cranked up about it. I've watched some of our people in our life group begin to open up, and I'm like, hello, church, here we go. This is church. Let's do this. It's not about everything that we make it out to be. It's about people. The church is what? It's not a building. It's people. And I say that with my lips a lot, but I don't live it with my life. I've come to that conclusion. It's about getting messy with people. So guys, we want to build a community that cares about each other's inner beings, that we go deep with each other. That we just don't sidewind around and sing some happy songs, walk off and do our own deal, but that, Lord, that we might get in each other's lives. And it's going to get scary. And it's going to get messy. And it's going to be beautiful. So that's where we're going to be, because we're the sons and daughters of God this morning. For those of you who know Jesus, you're son and daughter. Sons and daughters, family gets what? Gets a little dirty at times. We get in each other's lives. We're going to go to each to each other because we're thankful because God has given us inner beings that we can care for each other. It's because I'm just thankful for the church. I'm thankful for, I was just thinking about this earlier. I'm thankful for Pan Taylor. Thank you for teaching our kids in the back. Angie, thanks for teaching our kids in the back. You know, McKenna and all these others who have taught kids in the back. I know I'm forgetting a ton of you. I'm thankful for all of you. Because a kid right here that's standing right here would not be here without all my Sunday school teachers when I was yay high. The Sunday school teacher's like, oh, please just get me out of the room with these crazy hooligans. These guys are like monkeys crawling around this room. And you as a teacher going, what am I doing? You know what you're doing? You're building a foundation that one day is going to storm the gates of hell. It doesn't feel like it in the moment, but you're doing it. So we keep going because Christ's not done with us yet. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you so much for your church. We are a beautiful, hot mess. And days, Lord, that, golly, it seems like we're getting nowhere, and yet, Lord, you are completing your work in us. That is the promise, verse 6. So we thank you that you're completing your work in us even now. I pray for those who are far from you this morning. I pray that, Lord, you would draw them to yourself, draw them to you, that they might see Jesus this morning in all of your beauty. That, Jesus, you contend for your bride, even in the midst of my mess, even in the midst of our mess. You contend for us. You fight for us. You go after us. You pursue us. Jesus, we need your love this morning. We need your grace this morning. We need your mercy this morning. We need you to fill us with your spirit this morning. And so we ask that you would do that in the next few moments. That, Lord, as we declare that we are sons and daughters, this would not just be lip service, but our hearts would come alive because you have done the work. So, Jesus, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be the church here in a few moments here as we sing. Ready? Maybe.